Blog Talk Radio. Hello. Praise the Lord. Hello, Donald. Yes, yes, praise the Lord. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. And I wanted to let them know that you are going to be talking to them about how to forgive and move on with life after. The subtitle of your book says how to do this and forgive uh, your ex-wife and move on with your life. But the title of the book is Forgive Who? Yes. And starting yes, out, one of the main things that you pointed out is that you needed to listen to your body. You need to listen to your body. And Chapter 9 is in the center of the book, and it said, Could it have been ED of the mind? ED of the mind. So do you want to talk about that, the ED mindset? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Um uh, that was uh, well, a wonderful question, but I'm glad you asked that question. Let me what we start with a word of wisdom because it all ties into what you're what you're asking. The Holy Spirit is at work. Hosea um, four and six says, "My people are destroyed for for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me." Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. And, you know, when the ED mindset, I would think, uh, you know, 17 years, all of, each doctor that didn't know each other uh, just kept telling me that I didn't have a problem, you know, and that I was well. Um, I, I had all type of tests done. The only test that I didn't have done was on my mind, the way that I was thinking, uh, uh, when you're in a, a difficult situation and two people uh, aren't loving each other according to Scripture in the way that it should be, um, you know, that really affects everything. And 
over seventeen year period of time, I saw different doctors and uh matter of fact one particular doctor in the state of uh New Orleans I was there four years. Saw him four years. And um now I'm not saying that intimacy didn't happen, but it didn't happen as frequent as I think it should have. And uh for four years I saw him and then uh our conversation each time I would go in would be about my performance. And uh, he just kept telling me over and over again, he said, I've done every test that's out there. There's nothing wrong with you. But my body kept telling me that there was nothing wrong with me, but I wouldn't listen to my body. Uh, But what was wrong, I wasn't loving my body. Uh, I wasn't listening to my body. And my body was trying to tell me that I wasn't even loving my body, taking care of myself in my mind, nor was I being loved and uh, when I look back over the 17 years, that my body was always telling me that, you know, it's, you know, this is, uh, you know, uh, even the, the word says to uh, uh, bring our flesh under subjection. You know, it's, it's so much that we need to learn about our body, but because of my mindset, I mean, that's where that's where everything starts at in our mind. The Bible says, "A man thinketh in his heart, so is he." So. I'm thinking that I'm thinking that uh, I'm having these performance issues, but I should have never had those performance issues. And uh, I've had every pill. I've taken every pill that was uh, uh, on the market when it came to that. And uh, but it was still all in my mind. And that's. Uh, but see, uh, I just read you a word uh, out of Hosea four and six, where it said, "My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge." You know my. My issue was uh, the knowledge that I didn't have of just listening to my body. I should have been listening to my body when it was telling me nothing was wrong with me. But uh, I didn't. I didn't. I mean, my mind said that I kept telling my body it was something, you know, uh, it was something wrong and it wasn't wrong. And I kept being told that, you know, um, that it was, it was nothing was wrong. But I just, I never believed it. Like I just had in my mind that I was, even after all the reports from different doctors, it didn't really settle on me to after 17 years when I put all the reports together and I said, wow, they were, you know, this is, these doctors didn't even know each other. But the blood work, as deep as you can go in the blood, I've had all of those tests done to um, hard tests. Because uh, that's one of the things that say if you if you have ED you got you something wrong with your heart or you have high blood pressure or um, you know kidney issues uh, but everything was perfect there was nothing wrong with my heart and my no cholesterol issues I stayed in I was in the gym but yet um, I didn't I didn't believe it my mindset was that I had and I believe that's what many men are dealing with today is when you see a pill is not fixing it. You know, you need to look at the way that you're thinking, how you believe, uh, and how you're being loved, how you're loving yourself, and how you're loving each other. That could be the very pill. I know that to be true. That's the very pill that you need to heal you of that mindset, the way that you think. Uh, and my doctors tried to tell me that. They even gave me a pill on anxiety pill. It just made made me worse. Or, I mean, it just, I, I had to stop taking those and, but uh, my, my my goal is, it took me all that time. I, I I don't want that to happen to the next person. It doesn't have to take that long to come to the light of what's really going on. 
And once you came to that realization, Donald, once you came to the realization of that the doctor had cleared you, but you hadn't cleared yourself, and that Mm -hmm. was when you began to turn and seek God instead of the doctors, right? And so what did you you get as a result of you turning to God about it? That, that one, oh God, yes. I when uh, there we go into the years again, right? We go into the years, and I tell you what, it really hit me. Uh, uh, when the day that she asked me, she said, "Listen, uh, I want a divorce. I regret uh, the day that I married you." It was just like a video went before me. I could see my life. Uh, that's when I had the out of body experience. I, I could see my life before me. And then that's when I came to the realization, you know, and God began to deal with me and said, you know, I've been, you know, this was in your mind. And I started seeking God. And I, and, I, and then I realized then, I said, it was never, God began to show me and deal with me that it was just in my thinking, the way that I thought about myself. Uh, we have a low, I never believed in myself Uh and I must I must say this too, you know, being in two marriages, it's important for someone to say, I believe in you. I never had that. I never, no one ever said to me, you know what, Donald, I believe in you. You know, other people have said it, but when you have someone that you're married to or you're with, you want to hear them say, I believe in you, believe in yourself as well, and believe in God. But as I begin to seek God and, and God began to, uh, I never had a problem. God began to strengthen me instead of me seeking a doctor's. You know, here I'm a, a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I should have been after God. I should have been seeking after God, but I wasn't in that area of my life. Uh, but even my prayer was that I would walk in forgiveness, that I would walk in love in spite of what was happening. Um, that's That was my focus. I, I mean, I really was walking in love. I was feeling less than a man, but I knew it was important for me to walk in love and forgiveness. But yet I was getting no victory. Uh, in that area, but the Lord was constantly trying to help me, uh, tell me, and but I just didn't listen. When I just read in Hosea, where it said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, God wants us to know. He, he wants us to know what's happening in our life. He, it, does, it shouldn't take somebody 17 years for the light to come on, and that's my hope. I can help some men, even women, uh, know the importance of loving their husband and uh, what that pill is not working is all uh, in the mind. You know how, how you what you think toward each other, especially God, your relationship with God, and that's vitally important as well. Now, one of the things that you said when you're talking about walking in forgiveness, you say it was your only option, and a lot of people who may tune into the broadcast and hear your um, your response to this will say, okay, you know, I'm not a Christian or I don't believe in God or whatever, but forgiveness is something that is an action that anybody needs to do, whether you are a believer in Christ or not. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think forgiveness is is something that is so central to life, and a lot mm-hmm. of people think, okay, well, you know, you have to be a Christian to forgive. No, you don't have to be a Christian to forgive. I mean, the benefits of mm-hmm. forgiveness comes out of 
what we believe as Christians is comes because um, of the death, burial, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus for us as Christians. So for us, it's essential to forgive. But for anybody out there who is, you know, going to argue with what he's saying, I say to you that if you would forgive, forgive is not a feeling. Forgive is an action. It's something that we do. And it's hard to do. When you're being mistreated, it's hard to do. When uh, you feel injustices are, are, are being done, but in order to hold on to the the life force that's in you, because sometimes um, wow. unforgiveness turns into bitterness, it turns into cancer, it turns yes. into to so many different diseases of the body, because that's what unforgiveness is. It's, it's a dis-ease. You, you feel, yes. you know, you're not at ease with yourself. You're not at ease with, at ease with the people. Sometimes, and I tell you, you know, for a fact that it's it's not easy. It's not an easy thing. No. But the one thing that I have found is that in forgiveness is that if you will forgive, if you'll just do it, like you know, right. you know, just do forgive. You'll just do forgiveness. Don't do it because you fuck it, but because it will the it'll it'll be like that. It will release the in you to let. You know, and and you have to forgive every second, every second. You just have to forgive. It's like you don't feel it. You forgive because you need to live. If you if you don't forgive, it affects your ability in your life, your life yes, force, yes. how you live your life. It will affect everything that you do, and it will affect everything that you touch. So it's hard. It, it, it's very hard when you've spent 17 years or more in a relationship with someone who has not loved you the way that you felt that you needed to be loved or vice versa. So, you know, yes, uh, the conversation yes. could go both ways. And so um, also we have expectations of one another, and sometimes those expectations aren't real. You have unrealistic expectations of people, and I'm shows you who they are, you having not not having the ability to move on is is keeps you keeps you bound keeps you in a rut and you say moving on and and so being able to forgive and move on what you're saying is is so true Uh, now unforgiveness affects not only you know my decision not to forgive but not forgiving someone affects every decision in your life. You know, it affects everything because if you are a hurt person in your life, you're, you're making decisions on hurt, not on sex, but on hurt. You know, uh, especially dealing with people or it could be your boss or it could be your family member, your dad or your mother, you know. Uh, and it's just things that we've done to each other. And because our our relationship would never be what it can be until we we're, we're, we're willing to face the fact that we've not forgiven that person. And that is the healing process right there. As soon as you forgive, the healing process starts. Now, forgiveness is one word, giving someone, but trust is another. That's when you start rebuilding trust. And I think sometimes people misunderstand forgiveness for trust. You know, that's going to be a, a, a when you start walking the road of trust, uh, you start walking that in that direction. That's where a believer, or even an unbeliever that, that may not know the Lord, 
you know, we have to make up in our mind that we're going to forgive this person so that I can feel, I can go on with life, you know. And then when you're rebuilding trust, you said another word, too, you can set unrealistic expectations, you know. So you got to set, you have to set expectations that this person can walk in um, and you have to understand that, you know, that, you know, you're walking to rebuild trust again. You're forgiving them. And and if you, even if you have a setback, it doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven them. It just means that you got to get up and keep walking keep until you come out of that situation and regain that trust again. And, and, and we both agree on what needs to be in place to regain that trust. And you work toward that, toward that direction, you know, but don't set on, Unrealistic expectations, you know. Don't don't do that, you know. Uh, set something that's realistic that you both can work with, and and I believe that's that's important, you know. Um, my doctors didn't set any unrealistic expectations on me. They work with me. I must have, I must have read every book that's been written on ED. Uh, a matter of fact, I read books on doing drinking water out of plastic bottles. One report I read where it says if you're drinking water out of a plastic bottle, you know, of course we all do, that affects me into toxin as well. And I read that. And, um, of course, later on they talked about little plastic particles was in the water. There was a report on that a while back. And I just kept thinking, I said, well, that's when, when in reality that wasn't it, you know. Uh, um, uh, she... Uh, now, we we had intimacy, and I know she's not online, uh, but I'm just saying, but we did when um, when she when you want to be with some when you when when you want to be with someone and you want to be with that other person, it's amazing how everything begins to work the way that it should work. You know, if you want that person, you know, you know that could really um, uh, get things to go on the way the way that it should be and the way that it should happen. But my issue was when I when I would want to be in that place. Why am I having all of these problems? Why am I struggling with this? Here? I shouldn't be struggling with this here. Uh, but it's important that both people, especially in I'm talking about in marriage, that both people want each other, desire each other, want to be with each other. That's that's what you need right there. Unless there is a real sickness uh, in that person, um, but there has to be a desire to want to be with each other, especially if you're. Um, you know, uh, godly people. And one of the things that's in the body of Christ is a commodity of, of forgiveness stored up. We are, we need to really look at the body of Christ as, uh, you know, God expects us to forgive each other, not tomorrow, but today. Today. If someone does something, you need to forgive them today and not allow that to fester or to go overnight. And God will help you do that. And, uh, and I'd really tie that into. If you if you if you're quick to forgive, like the prodigal father was, in spite of what the son did, gave the son without explanation. He knew that the son was repentful. He received him wholeheartedly, like it had never happened. And that's the way God wants us to forgive each other, like it never happened. I love you. I forgive you. Let's move on. In spite of what the prodigal son was saying, you know, Dad, I was wrong. He said, you know, get him a robe. Get him a ring. Get him some shoes. Go kill a fatty cat. We get ready to have a party. So the father was thinking about having a party while the son was being repentful. But the father forgave 
without it's no writing where did it, the father says, sit down and explain to me what you did all with all uh-huh. money. You know, never not there's no scripture that says that the son ever did that. He forgave the son without explanation. And 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 to be able to do that depends on our relationship with God that we're ready to restore at a moment's notice. And I believe that's what God is calling us to do to restore in a moment's notice because he's coming soon in a moment's notice, in a twinkling of an eye, and it's important for us to restore. And then, um, Donald, again, I'm looking at uh, page 63, and it says, would you marry to be married for convenience? Um, You said Mm. that uh, some people marry to avoid loneliness. And then you go on Mm. to say in another part of uh, page 63 about reading the signs. He said the truth of the matter is there were red flags all over. And um, so you were not, you said, I was not the man she needed or even believed in. I fervently prayed that I could be that man. She never once acknowledged me as her man. She never validated me or gave me evidence to know that I was her man. Now, that's really um, a critical thing to to be acknowledged, to be affirmed, to be validated is just a part of yeah. being a human being, just a part of being a human being. So for whatever reason that didn't happen in the 17 years of your marriage, that's something that's between the two of you. But for people who are tuning in today, that if you find that you are not being affirmed, you're not being validated, mm-hmm. um, and you aren't feeling or it's not sometimes um it's not even so much a feeling, it's a knowledge, it's a knowing. Like mm-hmm. you said, you you never mm-hmm. felt you never felt, you ne- uh you never got the validation, you never once were acknowledged. So you didn't have that knowledge in your mind that you were her man. You doubted in your own mind whether you were her man, according to what I you're did. saying here. I did. So that's that's knowledge, yeah. right? That's not a feeling. That's that's knowledge. Yeah. And then once yeah. you have that yeah. knowledge, then it became wisdom for you that the revelation was is that hey, <laughs> you know, I yeah. never heard yeah. her say that to me. Therefore, that's why right. I don't know whether I'm her man or not. Even though you were married, even though you had mm-hmm. the the rings, the marriage certificate, everything, yeah. you still did not know whether or not you were her man. Now, that's serious. For 17 years, that's very serious. Mm. So for somebody who's out here now, what would you say to them? That's that's, that's an issue that needs to be addressed. You know, if you're in a marriage and you're not being validated that you're the woman or, or even him being the man, this is where you both need to sit down and say, you know what? Now, how do you deal with an elephant in the room a bite at a time? This is something that we need to deal with and we need to talk about. Because I approached her, I said, listen, validate me. And see, her father had went and formed some things with, with her mother. And she had affirmed her father. She kept him in care. I kept my dad in charge. I'm not going to keep you in charge. And then that was a flag. Then I wonder what that's all about, you know. That was a flag. Now, would you repeat that? Remember, would you repeat that, Donald? Would you repeat sure, that sure. again, please? Yeah. Well, I asked her, I said, listen, why don't you, you know, I said, you never charge, you never encouraged me or validate me. You know, she said, well, I did that for my father. I kept him encouraged because he was going through with my mother for 22 years. And and I said, well, that was your father. I'm your husband, you know. 
And she said, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, you know, and give you that validation of encouraging you because I always wonder, because I always encourage her. And, and that's supposed to be reciprocal. What you put out there, you should be giving back, especially your husband and wife. If your husband is always encouraging you and you're not encouraging him, that's a red flag. You know, or your wife is encouraging you and you're not encouraging her, that's a red flag. So I dealt with that, and I walked away thinking, I said, well, okay. I said, I had to accept that, you know, uh, but not, but see, all of that, even that conversation was all a part of the regret of really marrying me when I look back on it now. You know, she never, and I was always in a place of a pee. I was always in that high gear of trying to appease. I mean, always trying to appease, always trying to please, always trying to prove that I was the man. I mean, I was, it was always that high gear that I was in for 17 years wanting to prove that I'm the man, I can do this, I got this, you know. And it wasn't until that day I was driving off from my home that that burden lifted off of me when I was looking in my mirror. I said, man, I need to go back and say, hey, listen, let's fight one more time. But I knew that it was over. But at the same time, I realized that that, that appeasing, I was thinking on my way of leaving the house. I mean, I literally was thinking, I said, oh, my God, my day of appeasing is over. It, that lift, that part of that lifted off of me, and I said, wow, you know, but I still wanted my marriage, you know. I said, well, maybe we can deal with this here, but, yeah, she, uh, no, she's not on here, she's not online, but, yes, that, that, that says something about what she said, I regret, I regret it today, I married you, and I said, wow, that's why I never got some validation. That's why I never got the validation that I was her man, you know, that, you know, all of these things that I needed. And some people will say, well, I don't need that. Well, uh, you may not need as much. I may not have needed as much, but there's got to be some type of validation there, who you are, who she is to you and who you are to her, uh, you know, that needs needed there uh, in, in a couple's life. And uh, I just you know, I just needed to know that, hey, I, here I am, she's in the military, and, you know, I'm on a military base, and I'm already thinking, I said, why am I competing against these men? Why am I competing against, I felt like I was always competing against somebody. I always, I mean, this is my wife. I shouldn't be competing against anybody. I always felt like I needed to compete. I needed to compete, you know, and uh, the women are hard, and I just, uh, this is not the way to live, yet that's how I lived, you know. Uh, you know, I should have already known I won her, or she was mine. She belonged to me, and I belonged to her. But that was that was just an ongoing. That she really belonged to me, and um, that we really um, belonged to each other. You know, and and in talking to men, um, a lot of men are dealing with that word. Oh, they encourage their wife. Their wife doesn't encourage them. You know, let them know that hey, you know, like like uh, Sarah encouraged. Abraham, you know, she even called him Lord. You know, we, uh, this woman is powerful to encourage her husband to make him, you know, that he know that he's important to her. He's number one on this side of heaven. Of course, we don't, that he's not number one before God, but he's number one before anybody else on earth, you know, and whatnot. So that's, that's vitally important uh, in the relationship and whatnot. Vitally important. So uh, what was your question earlier? You said it was on page uh, 
63, you said something that uh, I want to make sure I answered that. Um, well, it was basically when you talked about being married for convenience and being yes. married to avoid being yes. lonely. And you said, yes. are you willing to mm. do anything, even if it means marrying someone um, you do not love? And yes. it's, you said mm. that she told you that she never loved you. And that right. was an eye-opener yeah. to you because you, it, you it said that you really didn't have a clue that yeah, she didn't I, love you all that all those years. Absolutely. I, I mean, even the Bible says that love of God covers a multitude of sins. You know, God gives us room to repent. You know, God covered her. I just, I didn't, I didn't see everything about us till that day. And it's just like a rapid video was before me and it just, the bowels of hell, like the book of Nahum talked about, pulled out upon me. And then I realized then, that's what it, all of this was about. Just in a rapid seconds, I, that every, every every day, every hour, every second, every minute was just pulled out before me. And I said, wow. And I was, I was literally healed in my body and in my mind because it's like, Lord, this is what I've been trying to tell you, been trying to show you. Uh, even in the book of Revelation, it just says that God gave Jezebel room for repentance. God gives us room for repentance. He will cover us. God covered her. He covered us. Uh, we were in uh, leadership in ministry. Uh, uh, you know, after after all of this happened, people began to come to me and, and say, well, we wanted to say this, we wanted to say that, but we didn't because that's your wife, you know, Barrett. So things began to come out that had been hurting the church, hurting people. So a, a combination of things began to happen. And then people do. I've talked to people who are married because he's got a good job, he makes good money, uh, you know, uh, you know, or she's, you know, vice versa. You know, um, uh, you know, I have security. And then my question to them is, well, what happens if they lose their job? What if, you know, what are you going to do then? Are you going to run the stone with them? Are you going to? You know, what if this happened or that happened? You know, it's all about security. It's not about love. And that's the sad thing about many marriages. It's about security. He's got a good job, you know. He's in the military. We travel everywhere. Well, what about love? What about protection? What about commitment to each other, you know? Do you love this person? Are you love what they're able to give you? And some people, they marry for all the wrong reasons. Not because they love someone. Or oh, they just got a divorce, and they're lonely. I'm lonely, so I need to marry. Okay? I was told this here, um, people, me and told, they said this to me, they said, Donald, you have to get under somebody to get over somebody, right? And I said, mm-hmm. I said, now there you go, it, 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 it perpetuates. <laughs> you know, I'm going to get with somebody, I'm going to get with somebody because I'm hurting, and she's going to think that I really want to get with her, but I'm only with her because I'm hurting. I thank God I didn't take that advice. You know, I don't need to get with somebody to get over somebody. I need, and I didn't do that. And I thank God I didn't do that. And uh, our divorce, our, our why you didn't divorce her and marry somebody else? Then the problem's still not solved. Why would I even do that? You know, so it was God that me and that counseled me according to God's word. Didn't tell me what I wanted to hear. And that's and and Lady Patricia, that's what a lot of people they want you to tell them what they want to hear. 
They yes. don't. They don't want. Yes. They don't. They don't want the facts. But go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. No. You know? No. I'm agreeing with you. I'm absolutely agreeing with you um, because um, that's what it's all about. Is that you know, tell me what I want yeah. to hear. And right. the biggest thing right now is that when you talk about reading the signs. That mm-hmm. that's just so critical, and I think that for 17 years you can admit that you oh weren't reading the signs, and it wasn't yes. until the day that she asked you for the divorce that was your defining yeah. moment. It was like everything just all rolled up into a film in your mind and played out, and you think like, wow, you know, I missed that. You know, it, it's like a 17-year yes. film condensed yes. into that second in your mind, and you think, you know what, you were telling me all along. And I just missed yeah. the signs. I just missed the signs. And that's what I think probably you could share with people about the signs. You know, like you talk about certain things about feeling as though you had to compete because you were on a military base. Yes. Now, did you feel like yes. you had to compete because she made you feel that way or you felt that way because you were around other, you know, men in the military? Well, there we go. It was it was. I guess it was a combination of that because I was never I, I've never felt uh, validated by her. So you might say that and the fact that I was invalidated. I needed to know that I was you know I was her man. I was meeting her needs. I was doing what I needed to do. You know, but that was never I never knew that in my mind or my heart. And she made sure I didn't know that because she never said, "Hey, babe, you're my man. You know, you're you you know you're 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 it. You know, I love you and." And even though, um, you know, even though uh, she said she loved me, and I think love is a powerful word, you know, it brings life. And when I look back over 17 years, even though she would say that I love you, it really didn't mean anything because it didn't bring life. Words are powerful. You know, and I was thinking, I said, well, she loves me. You know, I convinced myself that she loved me. But I had an near-death experience that day, and I'm standing outside my body just in a moment of time, you know, there I am, and, and again, I'm seeing everything that um, that was, that God was showing me. I mean, 17 years, my God, and when I think about it now, I just said, Lord, Jesus, you know, um, I saw everything, all of the flags, and I think we ignore the flags. That's a wonderful question, Lady Patricia, because we, the flags are there. It's it, they're there, and, and the flag could be somebody telling you, your father telling you, or I don't think the one, or your mother telling you, or your friend telling you. They're not telling you what you want to hear. That could be a flag as well. You know, hey, you know, you need to really pray about this. That's a flag. Now, I had all of those things happen to me even before I was married. They would say, man, you need to really, have you really prayed about this? Have you really thought of God about this? You know, those are all flags. And that's before. Wow, that's before. Well, I was married, yeah. Yeah, that people, was did you really pray about this? You really, did you really teach God about this? You know, those are flags. <laughs> these are these are godly yeah. people, right? And we hear people saying, well, I know God put us together. God, this is God. This is God. And God is just telling you, I don't have anything to do with that. But you put in me in there. You know, God to whom I put together, let no man put asunder. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of marriages God never put together. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that they can't work. It doesn't mean they can't heal. You know, it doesn't mean that they can't, you know, turn around. 
you know, okay, God, that's where you have Romans 8.28. Okay, God, we're in this marriage now. All things work together for you to those who love God. Lord, we need your help to help us. God can help you. God can heal your heart. But it starts with honesty, being honest with each other for why you married each other, why I married you or why you married me. You know, if it was for convenience, that it hurts to be told that. But it doesn't mean that you can't fall in love. You know, why be in a marriage and not being being honest with each other? It's time to be honest with each other, deal with the elephant in the room so you can be healed. And that could be the very thing that's keeping you from God's very best by not being honest with each other. Uh, you know, because I would say, listen, why don't we go to this couple's retreat? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Why don't we go here? And there was never a desire to go, even though we were having couple retreats at our home. We had a restaurant in my love. Even though we had other couples, I could never get her to say, hey, why don't we go somewhere so we can be fed, we can be ministered to. But I think if we had done any of those things uh, early on, things would have been uncovered that was, uh, wasn't was right, you know, uh, that we, we, we would have had to deal with. And that may be the reason why many couples don't go to couple functions uh, because they know something's going to be revealed. They get, they got to deal with it. And a lot of times we have to admit it. I don't want to deal with that, but we're going to have to deal with that uh, so that we can be healed and be everything God has called us to be. And because it doesn't go yeah. away because you don't want to deal with it. It doesn't go away. And then um, right. Donald, on page 78, there was something here mm-hmm. that you, you said, have you ever been misjudged? And wow. this right here, I can I can read this this paragraph, and it says I remember looking at the church family during that time, and observing how everyone was looking back at me. And he mm. said, believe me, it was painful. With every step I took, it became harder to breathe. I was hurting all over my body. It was like being pinned to the floor with a ton of bricks resting on my chest. Mm. Now that right there is like that. What is what is the scripture that there is now therefore now no condemnation unto those who are in Christ Jesus, but yet the weight that was on you was condemnation. You you know, yeah. it's like you felt condemned by the people yeah. that you were in ministry to and with and for and yeah. in in your home and in your public life. So reconciling being a a public success and then being a private failure or not necessarily being a failure, but, you know, it's like you, you're having a certain level of um, accomplishments in your personal life, professionally, mm-hmm. but in your personal life, personal life at home, you're not experiencing mm-hmm. that. So then when those two things aren't congruent, the word that I'm looking for is congruent. It's like it's consistent. Mm-hmm. It's like across the board. Across the board, your your ability to be fulfilled, because I, I don't want to even say success, mm. and I don't want to say failure, mm. but to be fulfilled. And he says that uh, when we when we talk about God, he says that those who hunger and thirst after what righteousness shall be filled. Yes, yes, yes. So yes. that that kind of fulfillment. But when you were seeking to be validated, you were seeking validation for your flesh, you were seeking validation mm. for um, your natural man, but you weren't seeking yes. the face 
of God to get that validation from him because this is this is key is that um God values us. He puts value on us. Yes. He puts yes. worth yes. on us. Because he says, if you will hunger and thirst after righteousness, I will, mm. I will satisfy. And then he says that he will satisfy every yes. longing, L-O-N-I-G-I-N-G, mm. every longing he will satisfy. Yes. Okay, yes. but when that relationship, the intimacy that you needed with God, wasn't there and that's that's what I'm getting out of this is that so because you mm. didn't have the intimacy with God that you needed and you weren't getting mm. it at home and you weren't getting it mm. in the local church then you basically were you know you, you felt invalid you, you didn't feel yes. valuable to anybody you didn't yes. feel valuable to the yes. people you were serving you didn't feel valuable to you know your relationship at home with your family or anything so therefore you didn't mm. feel valuable to yourself and that's what you said you you ignored your body your body was telling yes. you but that mm. hole that was inside of you was a cry for god it was like you know this is where god belongs you know that he would satisfy this longing that i have in me yes Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my God. So that's, you know, it's, it's, and when we were talking about drawing near to God and he will draw near to you. Mm. So out of mm. out of 17 years of seeking validation from the mind and the hands of another human being, those those mm. same 17 years, I, I, I haven't, you know, I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth or anything, but it wasn't until after those 17 years that you began to seek that validation from God. You know, I appreciate you saying that because, you know, if there, there we go back to those uh, six and four when you're talking about my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, right? You know, I had this in me that I was seeking God, but I really wasn't seeking God with all of my heart. I'm trying mm-hmm. to fix this natural man, trying to fix my marriage, trying to fix the ministry. That is so true, trying to fix all of these things. When God was telling me, just get out to me, get out to me, get out to me, you know, and, I, and I'm thinking that I'm asking him because I'm preaching every Sunday and every Wednesday and going to church and doing all of those things. But the scripture says my people perish for lack of knowledge. And in reality, God, all God wanted was me. Give me you, all of me. Give me all of you. And I'll handle this and I'll handle that. And that's something I should have done. And it all came to, to the light, like you said, on that day, you know. You're trying to balance all of these areas in your life. We cannot balance any area in our life without God. We need we need to either go with God all the way, we can go halfway. And what you're saying is so true. You're not putting words in my mouth. So true. If I had been 100% after God and said, you know what, Lord, I can't handle this. I know what the doctors are saying. I know what my wife is not doing. I know what we should be doing, you know. And we were just going through the motions. People were being... They say they were being blessed. Those couples, are, excuse me, are still together. They're still in marriage, you know, but yet uh, their uh, life was destroyed because, you know, of everything that was said. And you mentioned earlier about people misjudge you, and uh, they assume that, well, uh, well, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. You know, that is a true statement, but it's not true for everybody. It doesn't mean that I'm that way or you that way. You can't judge me based on the way you are, you know, or how you are, how you may have a situation, you know. But I know that God uh, sees behind closed doors and he saw how I served, how I loved and what I did, you know. 
And that's all I had. But if you was through that, through that transition, even when people were looking at me crazy, uh, looking at me differently, that I got after God. And I say that in the book. I got after God. It didn't matter anymore what people thought because God said, you cannot change a person's heart. And that goes back to those 17 years. I can change your heart. You know, only God can do that if you are willing for it to be done. But it's obvious she wasn't willing for that to be done because, like I said, the day she sat down and said, I regret the day I married you. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 17 years into this marriage that I, I regret. And 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 she's right because I can think of every day, every you know, so many not every day, but you know, things will happen over the years, and I say, wow, that is so true. She never ever. So again, people marry for for the wrong reasons, for convenience, for you know, for name, for you know, for money, for you know, to tell someone, hey, I'm married now, you know. For whatever reason, but no, many are not married for the right reason. You know, being a believer, even an unbeliever, uh, I've talked with many unbelievers who struggle with forgiving someone, and we deal with the with with that. You know, that's you know, your body can be healed. You know, we deal with salvation when we talk with them, and they say, "Well, I'm struggling with forgiving someone." I said, "That's why you need God in your life to help you to do what you need to do." You know. Uh, he forgives you, you can forgive them, you know. And and they go on, they forgive, you know, they forgive. So, yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, I got hard after God after all of this has happened. I mean, that's that's where it's been since, man. I mean, just hard after God. And uh, um, But you're right, you're absolutely right when you, when you said what and, you said. And, you know, we're going to go back a little bit in the book to Chapter 8. Because when you said that, it was like your your the title of your book says forgive who, right? And in the mm-hmm. subtitle it says how a man can forgive his ex wife. But you also talk mm-hmm. about in this book how you forgave yourself. So you know forgiving yeah. who it was it was a two way thing. You had to forgive yourself as well. Right. And in right. you know chapter eight you talk about being willing and obedient. And yeah. when yeah. your will and your decisions begin to become his will for your life. Yes. And, you, yes. Said, you know, your decisions start with your will. Bad decisions are the reason why we're in trouble today. You said God sent his son to restore what we lost in the garden. The day the man used his will to disobey God and act contrary to his command. So why do we struggle to do what is right in life, you said? Why do we have so many problems with our will, you said? So to answer that question, we have to first look to God. So... Now, you go on, and and let's go back. That was on page uh, 54. But on uh, 56, you said there are five willingness principles, five willingness principles out of Isaiah chapter 1. And you said, number one, you must be willing to change. Number two, you must be willing to extend love, and that love needs to be extended to yourself. And I'm adding that in there. But number three, you Mm. must be willing to forgive those that hurt you, and you must be willing to forgive yourself. And I added that. And number four, you must be willing to set others free. You must be willing to set yourself free, and you must be willing to set others free. So number five, you must be willing to let go to be free. So now... The more time you spend in God's word, you said, the more it will build your faith. You 
gives you the ability to obey his every word and grow you to perfection and maturity. Then your will will become his will. Your will will become his will when you walk out Isaiah uh, chapter 1, verse 19 through 20. And that is right before you get to having the ED mindset. It was just having that epiphany of I spent 17 years not loving and not being loved. So it's like even though you, you know, you said that she wasn't loving you, you weren't loving you either. So, I mean, you think about that. That's 17 years of you saying somebody else didn't love you, but 17 years of you not loving yourself. Yes. And yes, 17 yes, years I, of you not loving God mm, with your whole heart. I mean, and so mm, it's 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 a trifold situation. You know, you you got on one mm, hand something that you can do something about. You can love yourself, right? We can all love ourselves and we can all love God. Right. But God says that the mm, greatest command is that we love the Lord our God with what our whole heart. Mm, and mm, then love yes, ourselves yes. and then love our neighbor. So you think about that just for a second is that yes. Loving God first, loving yourself second, mm. then loving somebody else. So in mm. 17 years of this marriage, you were busy loving who? Yes, yes. I was busy loving, you know, wasn't loving God the way that I needed to love him, even though I was pastoring and I was going through the emotions that I love God. There was still areas of my, that was an area of my life that uh, I hadn't really surrendered it. So I'm thinking, I said, oh, God, I have surrendered all to you in reality in my mind. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking I had, but I really hadn't. I really hadn't surrendered all to God where I was really trusting him, you know, trying to love her, uh, wanting to save my marriage, not wanting to go through another divorce. That was my focus, when in reality my focus should have been, you know, God, 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 what, you know, I need your help here. I need your direction here. And, it should have been all God. I should have been loving him, uh, as David said, you know, like you know, like David was saying, you know, with my whole heart. I should have been loving God with everything, you know, but I wasn't. And, and, and not loving God the way that I should have loved God affected everything in my life, you know. And the reality came that day, again, when the day when uh, divorce was asked for, and, and I was gutted out, you know, I came to reality that, I, I just didn't love, love God the way that I needed to love him and, and even love myself, you know. Uh, my body kept telling me over and over again, there's nothing wrong with you, but I didn't listen. I didn't listen. I didn't even listen to God. And and that's where I want to come. The reason that book was written, that I want to be able to help someone. Listen, you don't have to go through these years like I did. You can get it now, get there sooner, learn from my failure. Learn from where I missed it, and you know that way uh, you won't have to go through the things that I've gone through, and uh, you can be healed a lot sooner. And that's my hope that this book will help someone get there and not go through what I've gone through. I wouldn't want my worst enemy to go through what I've gone through or whatnot. Um, so uh, it, it even goes back to where uh, when I was working in New Orleans and. Uh, and I went to the warehouse, this guy that I serviced, and when I walked in there in the warehouse, this bed was in the warehouse. It affects everything. You know, it affects your job. It affects so it affects employees at the job. Here he is. He got a bed set up in the warehouse because he owned the business, but that was the only place he could go to keep his business. 
And uh, he, until this day, I don't know what the outcome was, but he was going through the divorce. But that was his answer. I need to set myself up in the warehouse. And I can't imagine employees seeing that bed sitting in the warehouse every day. That affected them. That affected everyone. Uh, so, you know, when we, when we, uh, when Jonah didn't obey God, what it affected everybody on the ship. Um, sure. What I went through, it affected everybody yeah. in the ministry. Everybody, yeah. everyone. Yeah. You know what we went through. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, so now that, this takes me, Donald, um, to page thirty-four. And mm-hmm. page 34, there it says it is time for a reset. It's time for a reset. Yeah. And so you may be hurting deeply and are desperately looking for answers. If you are expecting yeah. any changes in your life, it's time you reset your priorities. And then you go on to say, is it time for inventory control? Yeah. And you said, yeah. here, yeah. I remember a pastor I said under years ago, his wife, was an excellent teacher at the beginning of each year, she would do a series on inventory control. She would encourage us to check for overstocked things we had not let go from the prior year. So why not consider asking God to search your heart to see if you have created a backlog of overdue love for someone because you have not forgiven them. So the scripture is Psalms 139. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So God's love is capable of searching us and revealing what steps we need to take to be free. Inventory control. Inventory control. A backlog of overdue, unrealistic expectations. That's that's, yes, that's what yes. you're basically saying is that a backlog of unrealistic expectations. Yes, yes, yes. And and this is something that, you know, again, you know, as I said in uh, in that on that particular page, you know, uh, this is what I should have done. I said, Lord, search me on God and know my heart and try me and know my thoughts and see if there be. You know, I should have been asking God that over and, and trusting God to search my heart, you know, because I probably would have, not probably, I would have gotten there a lot sooner, you know. The truth would have been revealed a lot sooner, you know. If I had just humbled myself under the mighty hand of God that he may have taught me a few times, you know, but it was 17 years later. But just think if I had done it the first day in the marriage or the first week of the marriage, you know. And, and when I look back now, boy, you know, uh, even moving to New Orleans, that was a mistake. Uh, it's just so many flags that I just said, wow, if I had just, you know, uh, prayed about it, sought the Lord about it, I would. There are a lot of things that God. It's not the will of God for us to go through, right? It's just, you know, I don't, I don't intend for you to go through that. But because of disobedience and not listening, not really hearing God speak, we go through things that God never intended us to go through, you know. Uh, but, exactly. but if we're in it, if we're in a situation, you know, we, 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 we do. We say, okay, God, you know, let me search my heart, God, see if there's anything in me that I would let go, uh, I need to let go of, especially when it comes to my wife and my husband. You know, your marriage is supposed to be Canaan land. It's supposed to be a place when you come home, the world is shut out, the door is closed, you're both looking forward to seeing each other. Not in different rooms of the house, different parts of the house, but you're enjoying each other, and that's the will of God for us to enjoy each other. 
celebrate with each other. When you when you home, that door is closed, that garage door is closed, cars are parked. It's just you and him and her, the kids. I mean, that's supposed to be your Canaan land. That's supposed to be a place of safety. And that's what God wants us to have, you know, where we can come home and enjoy one another. It's time to enjoy one another, you know. But we have to be it healed is. first. We have to be exactly. We have to be healed exactly. First. No. What did you say yeah. what that man said to you about uh, the best way to get over somebody is to get under somebody? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like rebound, okay. Yeah, and <laughs> I'm, I'm, so, I'm so glad I took that advice. I, I heard that before, yeah. and I thank I God that's to. not in my history. Yeah, to. it's not in my history of my yeah. legacy. You know, that, uh, uh, I, I, I didn't yeah, do good. that. Not many people are just. How many people are doing that? You know, they have no intentions of going on with this person. Same, they're just yeah. there as they uh, just, you know, a rebound. And how many marriages have just married on a rebound? And and uh, right. and God never intended for that to happen. And uh, you know, but God is a healer. He's a restorer. You know, He's a restorer. But I'm yes, thankful I didn't do that. That that uh, that's not the answer. But a lot of people run to that answer. When that when, if it needs to be answered, well, that's what I need to do. That's my answer. In reality, but you know why, mm. Pastor? You know why they do that is because that need to be validated, that need to feel desired, yes. that need to feel wanted. It's like if you aren't yes. getting that, where you know you yeah. are, then you're going to be looking for it someplace else, even if it's just for a moment. And and there are so many yeah. songs that have been written about this. I mean, Luther Vandross, she's just going on and on, you know, in um, all, the, all the oldies and stuff like that of secular music where people are like, you know mm. what, if, if you aren't getting what you feel like you need to get where you're at, then go look for it somewhere else. And that only leads yes. to yeah. further damage. It only leads to further damage mm. to the person that you're trying to get it from, you know, because mm. they're thinking that maybe there's going to be something more and then mm. the reality of it is, is that you know they're just a stopgap, you know they're they're just a band aid. Yeah. They're just a band aid until yeah, you yeah. can you know get to the next thing or to the next person. But now what's going to shock some people is that seventeen years was your first marriage, right? Mm. Right. And then your second marriage was how long? Well, no, my first marriage was over 20 years. My second marriage was uh, 17 years. 17 years. Yeah. And then 18 years, we went through the divorce process. Right. But but collectively, both of your marriages total 44 years. Yeah. Yeah, 44 years. 44 years. So from your first marriage, 20-something years, and then your second marriage, 17, 18 Mm. years. Total 44 years out of your life. And when you were yeah. writing this book, you were beginning to be in your 60s, your early That's 60s. That's correct. I was, okay. I was so in my, I was more, 60, than, yeah. more than two-thirds of your life you spent Still there. I, I don't want to. I don't want to say yes. I don't want to say the word that I'm. I'm, I'm going to say because I really want to hear you say for 44 years of your life. That's two thirds of your life. You spent it. Well, how? I spent it. 
not in, in a, in a, I, I didn't spin it in a way that it was invested correctly. I didn't boost my life. I believe you could say that I'm a believer in institutional marriage. You can say that. Uh, you know, I believe in marriage, and I believed in it so that during that two-year span that I was going to divorce and separated from my first wife, I knew that I wanted to be married again, you know. So, yeah, I have spent over half my life a married man in two failed marriages that I'm absolutely not proud of. You know, it was, these were, the Bible said many are called but few are chosen. Ministry was a big part of both of those marriages. And ministry, you have to be with someone. What I've learned through that process, if you're not with someone that is, that is, that is chosen as you're chosen as well, you're going to go through, uh, oh, my God, uh, someone that's not willing to accept your call, and neither one of them wanted to be pastor wives. They didn't want that, and they voiced that. They, this is not something I want, you know. But, you know, I don't have a choice in the mind because God is calling me to pastor, you know, and I believe that. But neither one of them uh, wanted to be pastor's wives. They didn't want to be in ministry. Um, so that was pretty huge in, you know, in ministry. My first wife, I pastored twice with her. We organized, and then I was coming to a church. You know, my second wife, we organized. And um, ministry was a big part of our lives, and neither one of them, um, neither one of them wanted to be a part of ministry. You know, and neither one of them had, I mean, as far as mentors, pastors, wives, uh, that someone would grab a hold of them, but they weren't open to that as well. Somebody grabbing a hold of this, so let me help you be everything you're, you're called to be, you know, uh, with your husband in ministry. So um, I would say a lot of that affected us too. Uh, we didn't have the right counsels, the right people in our life to help us through the process. And I would say that's the same with many today. You know, some of people are not fortunate enough to have the right people in their life to help them go through that process of ministry. So uh, neither one of them wanted to be pastors' wives. Neither one of them, uh, they just, they struggled with that, you know. And you struggle with something you're not chosen for, you're not coming to. You know, uh, how do I prepare to be with my husband in ministry? It was a challenge for them. And it drew away, it, it, it was a wedge between us throughout ministry. It's just a wedge, a wedge, you know. And I, I said, God, we got to fix this. We got to fix this. I got to fix this. We got to get this, you know. But that was that was huge. It was real huge, you know, in our life. As far as, uh, you know, when when you said that, me. when you said that, Pastor Donald, it was like the scripture when uh, Saul wanted to mm. go and be the high priest and he was king yes, but yes. he wanted to go and be the high priest now mm-hmm. one of the red flags that came up if 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 you go back and reflect on that is that you knew that you were called to ministry you knew that you were called to be a pastor mm-hmm. when you met your wives and did they know that you were called to be a pastor good question after my first marriage i was a backslider after we got married, I mean, before we were married, I came back to the Lord. I got saved. 
And then we we got married, right? And then about a year, year, don't say about maybe four years after that, God called me to ministry in my first marriage. Yeah. So it was uh, we we I wasn't in ministry like I was about four years after we were married. So this was uh, a calling, and you know, and I accepted the calling, and of course. Done but known to neither one of us what God was going to do with my life and also her life as well. But uh, um, it wasn't it wasn't easy at all. So this happened while we were together. We didn't start out in ministry together. It was years after we were married. Now my second marriage, when I went into it, she knew that I was called to be I was called to be a pastor. I said, "Well, pastor, one day," uh, and she had all of that knowledge that I was going to pastor and that we would be in leadership role. So she she wouldn't talk about anything. Then as we got into it, she realized she didn't like it. She didn't want to be a part of it. So she knew, she knew that I was going to be, we were going to be in a position of leadership one day. Okay. Now let's, let's, let's go into that a little bit more. Okay. Because once again, Mm -hmm. when you said that I went back to, and it was, uh, Ruth and Naomi. Remember, you had Orva, and then you had uh, Naomi and Ruth. Now, all of her sons were gone. Her husband was gone. And only Ruth said, you know, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Where you go, I will go. Right? Now, that moment, that transition, that agreement of someone to say, you know, I want to be where you go. I want to be all of that. I want to accept all mm-hmm. of that. Somewhere in your relationship, now the first marriage, I don't. It doesn't sound as if you got that agreement from your first right. from your first marriage, and you right. didn't get that agreement from your second marriage. Right. Right. So in right. reality, when you when you say that you know they didn't want that, is because they didn't agree to that. Right, right. Well, I would agree. Okay. Yes, yes, they, yes. Uh, you know, if this was something that you had accepted, so you felt like, mm-hmm. I guess, in in your mindset, well, you know, I'm the husband. God called me, and so if He called me, He called you. Well, not necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, because you just said right. that many are called and, and few are chosen. So if right. you roll back and you say, okay, now the red flags were on both of them. The red flags were right. there for both right. of them, and the issue was is that you wanted what you wanted and you felt like mm-hmm. they would come along, okay, mm-hmm. that they would mm-hmm. come along and they would grow into it and they would accept it and then they would let other people mentor them into it. So all mm-hmm. of this is still you trying to make them be right, right, the right. pastor's wanting, wife. Wanting them to, right, wanting them to want it and, and you're right. Exactly. It was, uh, how do you fight the college? You know, how do you... How did I know that God was going to call me to pastor? I, I, you know, of course, uh, I didn't know those things until we began to move along in ministry and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. uh, and you're hoping, you're hoping that they see it. You're hoping that they know it. That the man and my husband has called them this life, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it means our life, but it doesn't mean you know they have to accept that. Uh, but you know they're not they're not accepting it. You know they don't want it. And of course we don't have to accept everything that God 
you know, he has a will for our lives. Do we always accept his will? No. In this case, you know, uh, it was uh, only going through the motions, but this is not where I really want to be, you know. Uh, So now, it's now, you know, I understand she's saying that she never want to be married to a pastor again. That's, that's, uh, that's her, that's her belief. She said, I don't never want to be in that position again. And that's her hope, you know, that she doesn't have to cross that road again. And uh, I understand there's many ladies who used to be pastors' wives have that same thought. I don't want to ever be married to a pastor again, you know, um, and then but my question is, were who, they ever supposed to be in the first place? And that's 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 what I'm saying is that the the choices that yeah. we make as unbelievers yeah. and and believers, you know, true, the the true. body of Christ and 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 the name of Jesus Christ has taken such yeah, a hit, yeah. such a hit. Because that, if we that, would just truly be transparent and oh honest and say, you know, this was our decision. Amen. This wasn't what God Amen. said. This was our decision because you know the world is looking. True. The world is looking, and they said, well, you know, the Christians are, like, at 50%, you know, divorced out of whatever, because it's like, what? Right. You know, what, what, right. what was it, you know, where, where you know, and then, you, like you said, you know, you, you ask God to bless what you chose. Yes. And you think, yes. well, because yes. I chose yes. it, you know, God's going to bless it. But instead of yeah. asking God up front, you know, instead of, you know, right. bringing him your plan, he says that he knows in Jeremiah 29, he says that he knows the plans that he has for us. He knows the thoughts yes. that he thinks about us, plans to prosper us, not to harm us, and to give us great success. But yes. we bring God our blueprint. Now, he's the mm. master blueprint. We bring him our blueprint, and we say, okay, I want you to sanction this. I want you to bless this. But how right, about, right, you know, right. coming to God and saying, okay, God, you know, what do you want? You know, what are your thoughts? You know, what is it that you want me to do? So out of this is that just, just to take the weight off of somebody coming along mm. and saying, you know, he was a pastor. He spent 44 years of his life, you know, uh, two marriages that did not work out. what They did not work out because you did not lay this at God's feet. And that's Amen. not to bash you, but so many people are doing this. And then they come what? back and they say, mm-hmm. well, you know, why didn't God do this? Why didn't God fix this? Why? Right. Because, you know, you want to ask right. God to bless your plan. You didn't ask God for his plan. Right. Right. That is so true. You know, when I hear uh, even people that are in high position who, who has a platform where they're all over television or Christian shows, and, and they say that God brought them together, the next thing you know, they're divorced, you know. And, and I'm saying, God, I don't want that anymore. I said that my I didn't say that in my first marriage that you put us together, but my second marriage, I really believe that you did that. In reality, he didn't. You know, he didn't uh, because she made it very plain that he didn't and that, you know, that, you know, it was us who brought us together. And I really believe that God did that, you know, that uh, it was someone that spoke to me. Someone called me and spoke to my life, and they only spoke to my life when I wanted them to hear because that's what I was believing. Like mm-hmm. spirit came and ministered to me when it really wasn't God. It was just that spirit was telling me what I wanted to hear. And oftentimes mm-hmm. I think that's what we mess up. We have to hear what God is saying. And if I had to listen early in the beginning, all the flags that were telling me even before I married this person, I would have never married them, you know. I, pro- I, pro- I Not probably. I know I would have never married her 
if I had to listen to God, you know. And, and this is where right. I don't want to, you know, I would have never married her because God knew what the end result was going to be because he knew, uh, you know, what her will was going to say. We all have a will, you know. Either we're going to obey God or we're not going to obey God, you know. Uh, God knew that what the end was going to be, you know. Uh, so I don't want to ever say again in my life, and if I say it, I, I want to say it with such faith that God put me together with this person. And and that's something to say because I don't want to lie on God. You know, I don't want to say that's why I had to admit in my book, now I realize that God never did it. God never uh, put us together. And that was hard for me to say because of pride. The Bible said pride comes before a fall. I don't want to find myself going through another divorce, you know. But here I go. I want you another divorce twice, you know, twice to food, twice married. And uh, I never wanted to be able to, that says a lot about credibility. Even if somebody want to marry me again, you've been married twice. I don't know, man, I don't know. You know, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I believe waiting these three years is the fourth year. I'm not saying that's long enough, but I'm just saying that uh, my focus is the Lord, and I'm not saying I, I, I'm not saying I have arrived. I'm just saying that's my focus. That's all I have. That's all I have right now. That's my focus is the Lord. And uh, if He doesn't okay. do it, it's not going to happen, you know. But I would well, never Donald, assume that we're I've coming arrived. up on we're coming up on the end of the show. Believe it okay. or not. Uh, we've got wow. 14 minutes left in the show, and we've okay. been on for almost an hour and 15 minutes. So I, I want to tell them that timeforresultscoaching.com, timeforresultscoaching.com is your website. Again, the title yeah. of his book is Forgive Who? How a Man Can Forgive His Ex-Wife and Move On With His Life. Donald W. Smith, it is available on Amazon um, in uh, paperback, but it's also about to be published on Kindle. So please look out for it on Kindle. And I want to thank you so much for your transparency. Thank you so much for being willing to be on my show um, this year, 2019. Yay. I thank you so much. But above all, to you guys, um, could it have been ED of the mind? Do you have an Mm. ED mindset? Could it be that Mm. your inability to have fulfillment and satisfaction in your life, not just physical satisfaction, you know, he's talking about the effect of being in a relationship, how the emasculation and the demasculation affected his ability to perform and resulted in erectile dysfunction. But there was no clinical reason. There was no biological reason for what it was in his mind. So as a man thinketh in his heart, what did you say, Pastor? So is he. So, so is he. Amen. take this to another level is that is your ability to be who God has called you to be tied into Mm. your inability to let your mind be the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in Mm. you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So be ye transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. Renewing. And those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall what? Be filled. Be filled. Don't don't look to be filled by other things. Look to be filled by the one who satisfies you. 
Because, you know, mm-hmm. how many times have you had intimacy with somebody and you were left unsatisfied? <laughs> how many times have you taken a drink and been unsatisfied? How many times have you taken a yes. smoke? I'm talking to you out there, listeners, and have been mm-hmm. unsatisfied. How many times yes. have you been under or on top of somebody and left unsatisfied. God says that he will satisfy the longings of your soul. So you have been listening to Patricia Adams Live, Overcoming Life's Difficult Moments. We talk about the difficult topics, and there is life after. There is life after, and you can forgive and move on. And thank you so much again, uh, Donald, for being on the show. Feel free to come by anytime, and we can really hash this book out because I believe 44 years is equivalent to God, you know, the children of Israel going in the wilderness. Oh, my God. And, Amen. you know, what, what, what should have only taken, you know, X amount of time took them longer than it took. So I pray that mm. on the latter end of your life that all that you are seeking God for, that you find that and that you find mm-hmm. that purpose in God and you anchor yourself in him and that God anchors himself in you. And you go on and he says that he can restore and repair everything that the palmer worm, the canker worm, and the locust. So everything that has been lost, whether it be for you or, or, or for the women or for your children, if you have any parting words that you want to say to your sons or your daughters, uh, feel free to do so as we close out. Amen, amen. Uh, first, I'd like to say thank you uh, for your help when it came to Kindle. We did put that on Kindle, and I want to thank you for that, uh, giving us that direction. And even to my, my, my sons, uh, you know, Paul and um, Paul Edward Smith, Marcus Dwayne Smith, Ernest Smith III, you know, I am so proud of them, and I'm very appreciative of our relationship today. And my daughter, Don Keeley, and they're married, and uh, Denise, Denise Manning, just appreciate the latest that they've become, and thank God for my children. And um, I'd like to say to my farmers, wives, I just pray God's speed in, in their life, and I pray that they've found uh, a place of forgiving me because I've surely forgiven them. And uh, thank you. Also, thank you, uh, Lady Patricia, for you know, over 40 years. Yes, that's a long time. And I'm believing God for restoration. If I learned anything, I pray that I have. I'm not, but we're, we're still growing. We're still trusting God. And I thank you for inviting me to your show today. I've really, truly been blessed. And I look forward to us, you know, talking again real soon. God bless you. And to all of the sons and all the daughters out there, hey, your Heavenly Father loves you. He is your Abba Daddy. Call him. Mm. He's waiting. Yes, yes. Come home. Come home. Come home. Come home. Daddy's waiting on you with open arms, loving you and embracing you and restoring you and repairing you. God loves you, daughters and sons, prodigal sons, daughters, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, whoever you are. Come home. Mm. Come home. Yes. Come home. Daddy Amen. has a plan for you. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. And he knows the way you take. He knows where you are. He knows what needs to be done, and God will be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank you again. This has been Patricia Adams Live, and we thank you for tuning in. And God speaks. Shalom, shalom.